Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's installment of Bloomington Spirits. I'm your host, Josh, and today we have a very special episode for you. It's our first non-actor first on the podcast. This episode, I am joined by playwright, director, actor, musician, all-around jack-of-all-trades, but you wouldn't know it because he's so damn humble about it, Nick Foley. We get a chance to talk about how he keeps himself sane with his busy schedule, his writing process, where his love for horror theater sparked, and what it was like directing two versions of one show. He's one of the most humble guys I know, like I mentioned, and I was lucky to have him as my neighbor last year right across the street, so we got to have a lot of awesome conversations, much like the one you're about to hear on the podcast today. So please sit back, grab your favorite drink, and buckle up for this week's Bloomington Spirits. Well, yeah, man, so this is like my first my first uh, <laughs> writing notebook that I really have. Wow. Uh, but, like, yeah, I have my first... Here, read a few lyrics for... All the way, yeah, all the way back to songwriting. This is where I met you, Josh. I met no, you no, this is, uh, no, no, this is literally 16-year-old Josh. Oh, wow. Josh lyrics. All right, 16-year-old Josh coming in hot. To you, I hope you hear this song on the radio a couple years from now. And realize that it's about you. Wow, how original. And all the memories of us come flooding back to you. Wow. Every kiss and hope and dream. Wow. I never got to tell you that I loved you. Josh, this is, I mean, this is I think that's. Stuff. I think that we just discovered a gold mine. I don't know how I've been sitting on this yeah, for I, the past five years of my life. Goodness. But wow. Um, that's some art uh, for those of you who are just hopping on. Um, we were just, that was an excerpt from my from my pod uh, journal or what is now my podcast journal, where I keep all my notes and things. Uh, oh man, I have an advanced acting note from September tenth. Wait, no, yeah, September tenth, uh, twenty fifteen. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Oh okay, well you guys didn't hear me uh, come to hear me listen about my funny pod, <laughs> my funny notebook things. I came to listen to one of our really good friends here coming on the show. This is Nick, Nick hey Foley. Oh, hey. man, what a guy. I, dude, ever since we first met in Intro to Playwriting with Aaron, like, you've always been one of the best people to pick pick their minds and have, like, just really awesome chats. Some of my favorite times, Thank like, you. living in the house last year, being your neighbor was great. Just being able to be like, oh, what's Nick up to tonight and hopping over. Yeah. Um, was- also, uh, I want to interject here really quick as well uh it's very hot uh in this apartment right now and um when i have the air on it just creates a really bad sound in the mics so i open up the windows and I have the fan on so you might get a little bit of ambiance throughout this i thought it might it's be a just, better ambiance than the fan it's added effect yeah exactly it's a little more than what you paid for probably. exactly um but my dude like I said, it's always been a pleasure getting to chat it up with you. Of course. Um, I mean, right back at you, you know, like, it, like uh, we met him intro to playwriting. And it was always like, it was always such a pleasure uh, hearing your work. And then um, you were so open to critique. You know, it was, it's a, it's a really, it's a really good environment whenever you can really bounce ideas back and forth. And then you can tell that people are being receptive. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that class was awesome because we had such, we had Clark, we had, um, who, who are uh, uh, Jacob Foy Jacob was in that Foy class. was in that class. Um, Abby Barley. Abby Barley, uh, dude, like some great people that we just got to bounce some really fun ideas off of. I know, and I felt like we had like a pretty good collaboration going on. In oh that yeah, class. I, I I miss those guys. That was fun. It was. It was but uh, my friend, what are we drinking today? All right, so today, folks, we are drinking Dragonfly IPA brewed here Mm-mm-mm. in Bloomington from Upland Brewing. <sighs> 
so good let me tell you folks i mean this stuff it's it's perfect you know on a hot hot day like this especially it's just a great ipa it's not super high alcohol content so you know you can uh maybe take them you know on the you know if, if you're going out uh, yeah so you want something a little a little easier to a take on the nice hike or something light, yeah uh it's it's nice yeah uh, second, second brewing company in Bloomington to yeah. open right after they changed the laws. Uh, oh, that's wild! I didn't yeah. know that. Wait, so what was the first one? So um, it's it's Bloomington Brewing Company. Ah, so I mean, wild. it had to be right. Had to um, be. If you're and, the first. And a side note about that, which is pretty cool, the the owner of Bloomington Brewing Company like spearheaded the change in law uh, to and and um, to enable microbreweries to to make a recurrence because oh that's incredible the the setup was like only macro breweries you know like bud light mm-hmm. and, and budweiser were able to produce alcohol right for i mean until like the 1970s or something so. that's crazy i mean uh, microbreweries are pretty much the only reason that my hometown grand rapids came back really boosted You're yeah because no i i know it for real when the founders came in they started the year i was born 1997 okay and now they're kind of getting like huge they they have like national ads running and everything now. That is um, wild. So they're kind of making moves. But I remember being a little kid and like my, we would not go downtown that much because it was still kind of a sketch place. Mm. Um, but it's that that thanks to that brewery and then more and more just kept popping up when the fad kind of came going. And there was also this thing called Art Prize which is a great, like the biggest outdoor art festival apparently in the, in the United States or You're something joking. like that. No, I'm dead serious, man. Uh, they do it like every other year. It's great. Um, and so thanks to things like that, uh, with, you know, a microbrew really spearheading it, that is the, so the town's cool. like really one of the gr- fastest growing in Michigan. And but. there's, I mean, there's a ton of great breweries here in town. Oh yeah. There I are, mean, really there's a ton are. of really, really good, uh, craft beer in town. So if you're ever in Bloomington. Yeah. And I, I went to Upland, uh, the other night and it was, so tasty so wonderful oh yeah um and such a great ambiance there too well man but. you're uh you're one of the first you know real i mean you you act still you're in a you're in pippin right now yes yeah. but i feel like i i consider you like a, a very great directing mind first because uh, i've seen some of your awesome work so far wow thank what's that of course man where's some where's some of that like really sparked from has that always been an itch for you or that is um well, I'm 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 really like I'm happy and surprised to hear you say that. Um, the first time I ever directed was actually right out of high school. Uh, a friend of mine and and I decided that we ought to do like summer stock at our because right. our, our school had a nice space and uh, we figured make it work. Uh, and we were basically shot down by our th- our theater director. He said like it's it's just probably not going to work right. So we uh, raised the money on our own, you know, like GoFundMe or something. Um, That's and, the best. Thank uh, you, technology. Yeah, no joke. And um, and we were able to put on a production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Yes. And I was I was working a lot at the time, and I was um, at the time in a production of Spelling Bee. Uh, Who were you playing in Spelling Bee? I was Chip Tolentino in Spelling Bee. Nice. It was, that was I, a I totally see that. Oh, <laughs> That's it was too so good. fun. Oh. Uh, um, yes. And then I was also I was also like a, a featured performer in this cabaret show at the same time, so I was really Busy only dude. assistant directing. Okay. Um, but opening night, I just remember like sitting in the back of the auditorium, you know, watching what was about to go on stage and thinking to myself like, you know, all these people paid all this money and mm-hmm. like, like you know, individually, like right. it's it's a large chunk of money now, and it's like, 
all these people are waiting to see what I've been deeming a show. And we put it right. up in a week, I should say. It was wow. five, five days of rehearsal, and we had this thing done. Wow. I mean, they were yeah. six- and eight-hour days. but So, so we, you know, um, so that's what Well, that's one of those. That's a good show to do that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we were able to just that. go that's right a, yeah. one to the next, and it was, it was just like – and we had a great team, you know, really dedicated people, of course. So that's it, nice. That's all about the people. Um, and so from then, um, directing for me – has has really been more about what it is that I want to see. So, uh, if you asked me, I might I might tell you that I'm probably a, a, a playwright first. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you like, again do some great work with, with thank that. You, of course, thank you. Um, of and, course. and that's and that's like my main interest, you know. Um, but you can't always. Um, I can't always do exactly what it is that I want to do in my writing on stage. I know that's right. kind of a loaded statement, but what I really mean is that some other people have already utilized the voice that I want other people to hear. Right. So that's where directing comes in for me, and it's really more of like a tool that I can use to to bring my my vision and my my um, aspirations to light for other people. I'll use um, a map of virtue, which uh, yes. just went on earlier this summer um, in a found space. Um, hosted by Cassia Scagnoli, who also assistant directed, and she did a wonderful job. Our and first, uh, our first podcast guest. Yes, it, it, it was, was it wonderful, was very enjoyable. By the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, in doing that, uh, I really there were there were a couple of things that I really wanted to latch onto with that with that show. If you don't mind me rambling. Oh, of course, no, please. That's what you're here to do. Uh, um, the 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 big thing for me is that. When we, when we approach work, you know, especially as, as young artists who don't really know um, what facilities we can uh, utilize, you know, what, right. what things are at our disposal, truthfully. It's um, very limited. <laughs> and, it's, and it's very important, you know, that we utilize, like, um, the main, like, I use main stage, you know, that's a resource that we have here, Cardinal Stage, university right. players, independent projects. These things are so important as resources that we utilize as artists. But these resources are not the end-all, be-all. Right. It is, in fact, we as creators. Like we are the means of creation. These things are resources to help aid us. But, in fact, they are, none of them are necessity. Right. And, in fact, they were all birthed from a lack of resource. Mm-hmm. That is, in fact, like how, how, you, how anything comes to be, is you yeah. lack a resource so and you, you provide the means anyway, and then what that does is builds foundation mm-hmm. for other people. Absolutely, and I think that with, and I've said this once and I'll say it again, I've seen many shows here in my time at IU, and honestly, my top three, I'd probably even say my top 10, the majority of them, our are independent or like projects or up stuff because it's it's a thing about that passion that you have of staying to at rehearsal until like midnight when you have to to get something done absolutely while it sucks in the moment um and sometimes it's fun and then when you when it's fun you're blessed but sometimes sometimes it's awful but once you get it up and you do have that thing done that pride that you have from um, being able to work and collaborate with all these people, sometimes having been at odds with them and coming out together on top afterwards is the best feeling that you can have. And, and I, that passion exudes into the work and it, it just bleeds over. Oh, absolutely. Um, and like, I feel like with Match, Map of Virtue is another example of that. But um, so you're, 
what are some uh, productions that you've seen here that you think have really kind of shown that for you um, besides your experience with Map of Virtue? Most, most, um, most shows that, that really grab me here are, are uh, productions that utilize elements outside of traditional theatrical uh, expectations. Right. And, I, and that's kind of like a lot to just like say, but um, I'll use, um, oh, Kayla, Kayla Mission Garvin's oh, yes. play. Um, it wasn't House of Mirth, although I heard nothing but good things about House, House of Mirth. Mirth I was wasn't great. able to see that. Um, oh, the title slipped me now. That's Was it Coven? Uh, it was. It was... Uh, High school, coven. high school coven, yeah. and it was. I didn't get to see it, but it. I heard only great things. It was there was there was something about boldly facing um, like magical realism with with limited uh, um, resource mm-hmm. and 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 making work like within within like a emotional mental headspace. Like for instance, there's. Um, small spoiler there's a, there's an instance Sorry. where uh the school teacher is portrayed as this like what was relative to me to like a demon almost like a succubus mm. figure um and, i mean she had like wings and it was like and it was mia siffin and right. she was terrifying right. i was like oh, oh my goodness it, so was, it was it was it was just so it was such a phenomenal use of of like magical realism in, the, in that way um that it really grabbed me and so I, I I would say it's it's the things that are are approached with uh, an outsider perspective. Vinegar Tom's another example. I think there's I mean there's a million ways you can do those songs. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're just like yeah like, they're they're pretty much just lyrics. just the lyrics yes. right. So yeah. then I mean you can do them and, and and that was that was one of the more like I, I don't want to say gripping but uh, captivating moments of the show where it's yeah. like. It's like, re- how, like you, how are they going I to really yeah. sunk into this this world, right. and then it made everything else like feel juxtaposed, which is kind of like the emotional uh, sense of that play. Yeah, and so it was just so effective, you know. Absolutely, I love that. So, uh, you one thing that I've noticed that it keeps coming up with you, you have have this very innate desire and drive to make things work. And I've noticed that with you in just day-to-day life, you have a very, you know, one of the yeah, can-do attitude, kid. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I I think it's something that it's not seen in very many people. Where do you think you get that kind of passion to keep pushing through, uh, or making even just having that desire to always want to keep creating and making more work? Well, I think some of the one one of the things that drives me most, and um, and it's, uh, hopefully this will be the last time, but I'll tie this back to a map of virtue again. Um, oh, please. I mean, it's it's fresh it's fresh it, work. So I, I mean, mean, it was... Love to hear about just it. Just so... Such a powerful uh, process for me, um, and I, and hopefully for everyone on the team. And I feel like I feel like everyone on the team would agree with me. Yeah. Um, just to toot his horn a little bit, they, they staged two separate versions in this house, the one for the basement and then one for the upstairs, both having pieces of movement throughout uh, with the audience. And very 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 cool and intuitive stuff it was um it was it was i mean it was tough and it was kind of like a last minute like what are we gonna do here's this you know and and making here's the solution right yeah. like i i mean you should have heard me talking to my stage manager whenever we were making that decision i was like 
you're gonna hate me you're gonna you're gonna hate me so much you're gonna call me stupid and you're gonna hate me and i was like i was rambling on and she was like what and i, I said like we're gonna do two versions of the show she's like okay that's fine and then i <laughs> i pitched it to everyone in that same manner i was like guys really bear with me on this we're gonna do two versions of the show and everyone was like oh that's awesome yeah that means we get to do more and i just i loved so much to have those those types of uh, of, of minds um absolutely once again process. once again that passion you know well and i think uh to to come back to that something that's really important for me um and this is this has been important for me uh with my friends um like outside of theater whether it's music or or uh, visual representation like visual art right um I've always found it so interesting to, or, or important rather, to, to make a space for people to create and uh, allow the people the room to really like come into their own and, and grow because it's, I mean, nobody's gonna do it for us, right? That, right? And that's, that's again, coming back to this, we are we are the means of creation. Absolutely. And, and it, without people making it work for other people, like we don't have this, you know, if. And it's it's everybody. If Cass hadn't offered up her house, and um, you know Jen Jen Hayden, the stage manager, she hadn't uh, like gotten everyone in place and figured out uh, schedules and, right. and made everyone's conflicts work, and and all the other and all the actors agree and, and take on this huge task. I mean, we put that show up in three weeks. Yeah. Um, with everyone, I mean, I was working full time. I know multiple other people were working, and then it's it's just it's crazy to think that uh, what we're capable of when we really apply ourselves and yeah. i think that making the space is the first and sometimes the largest step to making that uh potential a reality totally i think that being in that um in that kind of pressure cooker it, it forces you to make decisions really fast sometimes pressure cooker is a and, great word and when you're when you're in that mode of having to decide where you want to go or where you want to take your story or what choices you want to make in this, in like a scene that you're acting in or something, whatever it may be, um, having that, ooh, great, great little metaphor. So I just got this game called Detroit Become Human. It's by okay. the same people that created uh, Heavy Rain, Indigo Prophecy, Beyond Two Souls. Oh, Heavy Rain was awesome. Dude, it's I a great game. game. And a big component are having these quick time events where you're choosing you know, your dialogue or your um, actions or whatever in a, in a very short period of time. And making, it, making you force you know, what you want to say, often I found, especially in playing this game, this newest one, that you're most... You're, it, it drives you to choose go with your instinct and mm. that's such a big part of theater and really any you know form of art having that instinct be your initial desire to want to you know create what you're creating and i think that that's often the most truest form of what that can be because right. once you have like if you have all this time and all this budget and all this you know um, all these like excessive resources, external. I mean, expectations, expectations outside. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Outside viewers coming in. It's uh -huh. yeah. Keep, I mean, like, and also say if you're working in a professional field and you have producers that you have to um, exactly you know, work for, it's all these different things that can bog down the um, you know creative experience. And being able to be in a time in college where we get to really, you know, capitalize on not having those those certain limitations is a very interesting time to be in well and i think the more i think about it I, I think that's why i enjoy these these sort of off the wall um you know outside of the box uh, of um, attributes or elements in these shows or in these processes is because 
I get to see someone else learn. Like I get to, you know what I mean? Right. I get to watch. Um, I, 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 I was fortunate enough to um, read the stage directions for the first two readings of Only Child, Aaron Ricciardi's right. play that was presented. Part of the uh, At First Sight. At First Sight of, Festival, yes. yep. Um, and uh, so being a part of those first two readings and then seeing a full stage version of it, I mean, the, the process that Aaron went through in writing that um, is evident just based on, you know, where, where does this scene go? Does it, does it start to play or is it the end of the play? And right. it's, and, and I'm not, I'm not sure that was exactly the case, but sometimes those, those kind of measures are, are important. And it's, I, again, I think it's because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn and soak up as much, as much, um, experience as I can that, that seeing somebody else get to do that is, is so enjoyable. Totally. I, I think to go I mean, outlining and figuring out how you want your story to be, uh, placed is, I'd say the biggest hurdle so tough. of, of oh my gosh. putting a, a story together. I mean, I'm working on this thing with Jake Hoover and, um, love uh, him. yeah. And, um, uh, shout outs to Jake. I love you so yeah, much. Sh- shout outs to Jake Hoover and Connor Starks. We're working oh, on the both of you. Yes. Yeah. Splendid. So incredible people, such incredible people. And, uh, we're working on a project right now. It's this kind of, it's this space heist idea. I won't go into it. It's kind of, it's goofy, fun stuff. Think, think Cowboy Bebop meets uh, Ocean's Eleven meets uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my goodness! And that's what that's kind of where the vibe we're going for. The youth there, there's not a better trio to write this. Folks. It's so, for any it's of you that so don't fun. have the pleasure of knowing any three of these gentlemen. Uh, they're just it, it, that's gonna be split. I'm, I can't thank wait. you, thank you. And it's this fun, fun little film script. They're really just goofing around more of a practice than anything but um figuring out how we want this story to be told especially with a heist uh being such the center i mean you know integral part of the story figuring out how that gets placed and um what the stakes of that are going to be are it's so tough and so confusing and we're uh, especially in this massive universe that we're trying to build as well right um once you but once you get that done and all the groundwork laid out it's just a total field day that you get to have and that and i feel like you're at that you're able to have fleshed out your themes that you want to discuss you know you know where your characters are going to go what their what their values are um that you can have that freedom sometimes to do like what Aaron was doing where he can, you know, see like, where does this scene fit? And I also feel like it's different for, I mean, they're different mediums, film and theater, but of course, but, um, I think theater, you might have a little bit more leeway with that type of stuff, but, um, it's still having that freedom as, you know, this, I don't want to be like, it's a God complex or anything, but (laughs) having this, uh, freedom to be able to create or push, um, whatever, story you want to be seen at the forefront is pretty an awesome um uh, position to be in even if people don't get to like really feed off of it or see it that much right i mean and it's so important i think as um as young people that we that we really do uh branch out and ju- and see just how much it is uh, how much ground we can cover you know absolutely. like just just what are we capable of absolutely well speaking of things that we're capable of um I want you to chug that drink now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, second one's coming open. Um, but no, uh, what are what are some types of stories that you are really drawn to in general? Uh, what are like themes that you find uh, really thought provoking 
and what are you know what's what's some of the things that you don't like you know genres mm. all that kind of jazz do you uh can i can i ask um when uh in in my creative work or or yeah. as um as like an audience member like and enjoy it let's like, let's go audience member first yeah mm, i'm inter- okay okay Things that I'm really trying. This can be the quick one, then we'll go into the into your deeper thoughts with your own creative process. Uh, oh, I want. I, I. It's nothing special. Everyone has oh, one, so it's, it's sure. just it's as special as anyone it's, else's. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I. I. Uh, if everyone has superpowers, <laughs> is anyone super or whatever the line is? <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, let me think. I would say my general um, general favorite. Uh, I I've been really really interested in this element of horror theater that I wasn't necessarily oh, yeah. exposed to um, until I got the chance to, to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. then um, I didn't personally. I we we had these masks. I was doing Jekyll and Hyde, and we had these masks. And I was like, these aren't going to be scary. Like I mean, I've seen it. I've seen myself in the mirror. Right. I'm not scary. Right. But there's a different element uh, when you're sitting in a dark room with a ton of other people and all of a sudden there's all these people with masks. Yeah. That's scary. That's a little spooky. And, and people jumped and people screamed and I was like, whoa, yeah. this is wild. So, yeah. so that was, you know, it was just, um, so it's, since then it's been like, how, how different does it feel to be scared in a movie theater or scared um, in a theater than it does to be yeah. scared in real life? Like yeah. how different really are they? I feel like, if for me personally it goes film scares are like the lowest tone folks i mean you're obviously you're not in the space you're in the you're in your own room or wherever Mm. watching the piece Uh, unless it's like midsommar or hereditary where it just shakes you to your core anyways i can't wait i I have not seen midsommar they're pretty nuts Uh, that's all i'm gonna say uh then i then i'd go you know live theater horror and then real life horror of course which uh, which of course you know because then you're actually kind of screwed <laughs> but um, your priorities are different um maybe think about that a little yeah bit. just a little bit um but i'd say i my first interaction with being like truly freaked out in a, in a space and it's funny because it's such a comedic show escanaba in the moonlight done just two <laughs> houses down in the gallery basement um it's so funny because uh, they're there's this one part where just uh, some spirit comes out and there's like some spooky lighting and like some cool sound effects. And I was like genuinely like, Oh my gosh, what's going on right now? Uh, just like, cause I was so immersed in the space and you get kind of that with map of virtue too. Sorry to keep going back with this audience, oh, please, but please there out in this moment, if you guys didn't get to see it in the up- upstairs version, there's this moment where the main characters have been kidnapped and all their belongings have been taken by kind of this goon played by Jake Hoover um, and this guy likes to wear a bird mask. And so I'm sitting in the back little cove of the lab. Um, it's kind of, there's, for those of you who have never been, it's, it's like your living room with this giant bay window and then a little like crossway threshold into this little side area where there's like a closet and then a hallway back to the other rooms and stuff. So I'm sitting in there and there's, a, there's another little small window in this cove. And I'm seeing the characters uh standing in the main living room doing their chatting and stuff and then i just see a light flash in the in the corner of my eye and a shadow go by and i just get like a chill down my spine and i peek out and i see jake hoover his silhouette no, crossed across the giant tree with this huge light uh digging into the ground and then tossing their cell phones and things into mm. the pit and i was like i know jake hoover uh the most lovable person i've ever met I would give that man a hug anytime I see him. 
but I was truly like, this man is going to come in here and kill us all. <laughs> so I was, uh, so I was happy that, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's like some of your work. I, I, it's come to fruition, my friend, as I guess the long, long story Thank I was you. saying with that, Thank with you. horror, so, but so glad. yeah, man. So what is it about the horror aspects that really, you know, pique your interest? Is it, there's, is it just the feeling of inflicting that fear and the audience that you know that's a fun thing to do for sure um or is it the themes that come along with horror what is it for you i guess i guess this is that this is that part of the creative me that gets to be a little like uh, conniving is a little too extreme but a little like behind the corners <laughs> a little maniacal uh, yeah uh, just a little bit you know i just i villain. um because there's something not exactly cliche there's something expected um about making people feel uncomfortable yeah. making people feel happy making people laugh um and these are all very well respected and well and should be um like forms of, of approach but there's just something so satisfying um about you know after 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 that performance um part of part of the horror of that play uh is the mystery of of uh the final question like they i mean there's there's two scenes dedicated strictly to the question of whether or not there were children present at this incident and i remember after preview um one night there was um some some of the leads friends were were present and uh and i remember like i'm walking upstairs and people are still meandering down uh, down in the basement and i just hear someone say like above everyone else you know like no there were children there and like there was a legitimate Mm. argument happening between these two people where like now I've like not inflicted, but I've 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 placed this this idea in somebody's head where one person said like, oh no, surely there was no children there. There was you know in the play they they mentioned there's no evidence, um, but and then another individual like had emo- an emotional reaction so strong that right. it it created a new truth for them. Right. Um, you truly inceptioned a person. I really without having to dive into their mind. That's yeah. that's pretty bonkers. The power of theater. Well, and it, that's I, what Leonardo and the gang should have just done. <laughs> again, again, I, this is uh, totally um, all with the work of, of my team. Those those um, all, yeah, everyone that was of part course. of the process was so so talented and so. But dedicated. hey, I mean, you being the being the head honcho of the thing, you mean you can take your credit. Don't worry about it. It's, well, and you. I and I think that everybody in your cast would fully support you puffing your chest just a tad <laughs> don't worry about we it we all should that's what yeah. I'm saying. yeah 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 um okay well so you you have this really big drive of, the, of horror theater do you have any projects that you like are dream things that you'd want to do with uh horror theater do you need to you know make the audience chit themselves or something well interestingly enough um one of a map of virtue is a play that i studied um in uh in playwriting um, and an, another one that uh, that is shared that is uh, hopefully a dream production um, is Gloria by Brandon Jacob Jenkins. Oh, um, I've heard Jacobs. good things. Um, and um, it is it is uh, powerful and alarming and ultimately uh, uh, real. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I approached a little bit um, with a map of virtue was this idea of of, of naturalism like playing playing to the effect of like what does it look like to watch people truthfully scramble as opposed to present truthfully scrambling right and um again both very well um established and should be well respected forms of approach but um there's something different about all four uh, all 
all people staring right out of a window, um, de- delivering their lines like away from the audience completely, um, and still trying trying to to act um, as opposed to as opposed to anyway. I, I don't mean to go on about that, but um, uh, that that piece, a map of virtue, was a big milestone for me personally in what it is I wanted to achieve. And Gloria would be like the next step. And interestingly enough, um, I don't find pieces that, uh, or, or thoughts rather, that that like, that come to me with this idea of, of writing um, a horror piece myself, right, even though right. I would consider myself a playwright first, and I might consider this my favorite genre. Um, that's never actually entered my my work, so that's right. um, it's interesting actually yeah. to think about. So, t- what's the uh, kind of give a you know a little ten cent uh, explanation of what Gloria's plot is for the listeners? So Gloria is um, the story of uh, modern American, or Western, I should say, civilization um, uh, ability to oversee and, and dismiss. So um, that is that is to like in, in news headlines or or um, anything to to be able to to see to see tragedy and dismiss it. So it takes place in uh, the glory itself takes place like in, the uh, uh, like the Sudan and the um, yes and the, Notre Dame. What's good? how a burning building got so much more coverage than than you know, these these atrocities people. that is that are happening and continually it, happening. Right, right, and actually. Um, for anybody following that, Sudan just got um, internet power back. They they Sudan uh, lost internet coverage yeah. uh, from, I, th- I believe it was, it was around the fourth of July, yeah. if not the fourth itself. Yeah. Um, and they, maybe it was June. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I should know better. Actually, I believe it was June. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty. I, I'm if I if my memory recalls i'm pretty sure it was you know like early the, early june yeah um and and this this just got lifted so um do some research um just just be aware of the things that are going on um absolutely stay informed people uh but democracy dies in silence at, at yes and um to quote to quote a phrase so uh so gloria really is a is um just a quick like summary of the of the play is is um you know these people are working in a work uh, a workplace. It's um, it seems like the character we're focused on um, is an intern, and uh, or is new in in some way. And this woman Gloria and her party keep getting mentioned um, but dismissed. Like, did anybody show up to this party? No, of course we didn't. She's kind of off putting. Whatever. And this everybody woman, knows a Gloria. This, yeah, right. Um, where is she invited everybody in the office and nobody came because everybody Ouch. thought somebody else would, um, except one person. One person did, um, and they're no longer seen. <laughs> and um, and the uh, she keeps coming back asking for this individual and nobody knows where he is. Um, oh so, shit, I was right. So finally, um, she Gloria comes and uh, the individual that she's asking about is present. And she proceeds to, um, and uh, a bit of a of a of a warning. Um, this does contain some some graphic uh, violence. Um, she proceeds to shoot up the entirety of the office. Oh my goodness! And um, except for this individual, and the remainder of the play is his response to this, um, and how the media is dealt. And I, I won't I won't 
dive into the rest. This is part one of three-part play. Um, and I won't I won't delve into the back half of it, but the this back half or two two thirds rather are really about how the media handled this situation and how um, just just how uh, alarming it is. Uh, the dismiss the dismissive nature of of present um, yeah there's there's a phrase for um it's like flat uh seeing tragedies on the news every day and forgetting about them the next day yeah and i'm I, i'm blanking on the phrase but it's um, all right but and it's and i again, think we, i think that's something that we can all relate to right i, I mean, mean we a, we hear about these things all yeah. the time you know i mean yeah. they fill the headlines and it's and it is uh, and it's tragic and there's sometimes where you feel like there's nothing that you can really do you know, in, in times of trouble, I mean, you know, with school shootings happening, being on television like every other month or something like that, it seems like, you know, the best things that we can do as artists is try to shed some light with the work that we bring. Right. And that's yeah. why that's why it becomes so important that we really um, that we really stretch and, and try to try to portray these things, because mm -hmm. if we can't talk about them in a safe space such a, you know what i mean like a, an honest yeah. open space like like the stage or in film how are we supposed to like have these conversations um or or or, or make these points um without shouting at one another absolutely and i think that we can often dismiss the work that we we do ourselves as being you know oh it's just a independent project that only 30 so people came to see in the weekend because our venue only had 15 seats or something like right, that. Right. Right. But you know, that show could potentially be, you know, maybe somebody's dad came to see it because, or, you know, cause they're in it or something like that, or they brought him along while he was in town and he might have a different view. And it's just like, maybe just seeing the show, it might, it might, it's not going to change his mind for the most, for most likely. I mean, things like that rarely happen, but it might give him a different, you know, a little bit of, perspective or a little bit more empathy into something that a perspective that you didn't really think about that, that more that much you know and that's and that's really what it's about is about like individual experience which is why i think it's so important that um that we do these shows that have you know 15 10 12 like audience yeah. seats like it's not about 80 people seeing it and always getting a reputation it's right. really about affecting individuals and yeah Fortunately, you know, higher reputation, you get to affect larger groups of individuals, but right. that's not always the case. Right. So you got to do work with what you got sometimes, you know? Again, it's about, it's about uh, utilizing resources and making sure that um, the, the creation and the process is the forefront of, of the event. Right. Well, speaking about process, you, you've mentioned it quite a few times that you, you'd say you're a writer first. What's your process like when you're diving into writing something for the first time? Well, diving in is really like the perfect word you could use to describe it. At least, at least whenever I think about writing, it's, um, you know, it's a late night text to somebody, you know, like the most recent person in your phone. And it's just like, Hey, I have this idea, you know, and it's like two paragraphs and then at the end, don't let me forget it. You know, it's, it's like, nice. and then, and then you sit with that for an hour and a blank page and you stare at it and eventually you just start writing and, and, um, the, you know, it's, it's little things too, as much as I'd like to say, it's just this grand, like, uh, overarching event. It's really, it really comes down to the minutia. I mean, I've written plays, um, that, or I've, I've started to write plays that, that, um, have like no capitalization whatsoever. Mm. And then 
all of a sudden a capitalized letter is like whoa you know and, and it's it really really catches you and it's no, but the right. audience doesn't see that. Right. That's that's for myself and the director and the actor. Like yes. you know what I mean? That's and it's not it's not the same. Um I've I've done like limited punctuation. I've tried um, you know, it's especially effective writing scenes with no um or with like limited uh punctuation. Yeah. Like if you only have question marks, hyphens and periods, really what can you do? A lot of things. Right. If you only have question marks and hyphens. That is a fast-paced scene. So what does that mean whenever you dive in again? So it's really about, um, you know, it's about, it's as small as font size and, um, you know, what what uh, style you're using and how you orient the thing. How you format as, it. As much as it is, like, coming in with this idea and just, just, I would almost say word vomiting onto the onto the page, like whether you know what I mean. However, it is that you that you create. It's really more about getting it on the thing, because the first the first full you know act or whatever that you write is not going to be your final draft. Right. And it, it that's okay. Like let it let it let write the whole thing, print it out, read it, and rewrite it. Right. See what happens. It'll probably be shorter. It, it might change completely. You might switch things around. It, it's all about just diving in and just really being open to, to receiving your own critique. And then mm -hmm. I think that again, uh, being open to letting other people give give thoughts as well. That's I think exactly is huge. right. That's exactly yeah. right. Just just being open to whatever somebody else's perception is, and it you don't have to take that, but it's right. it's so valuable to hear it. Yeah, I mean, while, while you're talking, some of the things that keep popping out in my head of what you're saying is like if it's not on the page it's not on the stage um type deal where you while you're reading especially with theater because i find writing for theater and writing for like film and television are two completely different things oh absolutely that a lot of people don't really can't can't really wrap their hand, heads around because when you're writing in film and tv well yeah tv is the writer's medium i'd say you know theater probably being the second um it's you're still constricted to the director getting to choose the shots and getting to choose how they want to visually present the story. Right. And so there's not like, you, like if you're writing a, if you're writing a screenplay, you can't be like, I want this camera to pan in and right into a nice medium close up on this character <laughs> when he says this line. And if it doesn't happen, then this director does not know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> or don't, do the, don't do the show. <laughs> but like, uh, it, but with theater, you can have this. I mean, it's so much more of an open playing field where you're, I mean, you can be doing this. You could be doing, you know, like Max did uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show in our attic mm, last year. Yeah. And you could do that show up there or you could do it at the Buzzkirk Chumley. And they're two completely different things. Right. But you're working with the same script and getting to, you know, see how like you said for example going back to your capitalization thing uh getting to be able to craft that scene however you want it to be crafted for that um uh w with that punctuation being the biggest key mm. you can have so many more different opportunities to how you want that to be presented right for a director and i think being able to it, that's that's one thing where your writing is still such an influence on the piece even if you're not there anymore right and it, it really it really shows just how much um you can craft uh ideas 
into words. Words themselves aren't, right. aren't the whole thing. You know, it's like the play is more than just words on a page. And clearly, that's why we do the thing. You know, we don't do staged readings all the time. <laughs> right. We, right. We, do, we, we do shows, and that's why. Yeah, and you can have, you can have writers like, um, what's the guy who wrote Buried Child? Uh, Sam Shepard. Mm. You can have guys like that where they're... Um, their scripts are so meticulous in their stage directions. Mm. Like, I mean, I find that with a lot of like mid 20th century playwrights, it was really popular. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That it's like very strict. You have to go like, this is where this lamp is going to go on the stage. Uh, but you know, I think that while yeah, I, I, I view that type of writing as, and this is completely valid and I don't mean this in a derogatory way because I, I value this work, but like the writers trying to leave their imprint, like this is an Arthur Miller play. Mm. This is a, um, um, trying to think of a better example. I mean, that's a great example, but, uh, well, but it's, it's more, it's about this, this idea of preservation of, of right. image where it's right. like, they, Having you know what I mean? they had like it. a, they had a specific idea that it had to be this way. And, um, and it is, it's, it's still funny to me whenever I read like exits stage left, it's like, really really like, do they why? have to why? like what, why <laughs> like what if what if the exits upstage like is that the right. end of the world like right know, it's just funny but then you get like going back to buried child like uh they have this offstage porch where some like very important scenes or sorry uh, upstairs uh where the bedrooms are and there's some very important things that are specifically that have to happen in that bedroom right for very certain reasons and so being like um uh, so and so's wife goes upstairs to um, uh, I can't just can't remember her character name, but she goes upstairs to go check on the uh, the main guy, and uh, then we hear some like thuds and crazy things, like things like that. Right. That's different. That's but when it comes down to like minutia of mm. trying to control every aspect of the stage, I'm like let your work evolve. Right. A little bit. I think I think Dom. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a, a reading of of. Uh, a scene from the, a play that I'm currently working on. Um, uh, Don Pagliaro directed uh, a scene uh, from it, and it it it, uh, it involved like this cat, um, like a, a humanized it cat. So good, and uh, I loved that script. It was it's really it's a fun play, um, and I had I had in my mind no, I mean it it mentions that the cat's like cleaning himself, right? Right, but. Dom and, and Robbie uh, Robbie Russo, um, who who was Robbie, the, my grandson, the the the, the, um, the cat in in the reading. He he had this he had this great way of like elevating, uh, elevating what what did it what it meant to to clean, and it it helped the joke along in a way that I hadn't really anticipated. Um, and honestly, I didn't think it was going to be that funny. I thought it was kind of silly, but then it you know had a really nice reaction and. and um, I was I was I was glad to see that when you when you create space uh, in a work that um, it lets other people go play and that's that's what's right. that's what's great about playwriting I think in the modern sense of it where it's really about like setting up a space for some for a director to take it to to wherever it is they see it absolutely so what would you say is your uh, piece that you might be most proud of that you have. Because I've gotten to read quite a few things of your work, and sorry, my dragonfly is bustling around my stomach, no, tummy right now. Okay. But um, what are some 
what's what's one that you think you're most proud of because i've definitely gotten to read some great stuff from you uh and i have my opinions but i want to hear yours so uh i think what's important about uh my work for me is how how much and this i mean this sounds a little silly but regardless of what it is that i'm writing i'm always trying to like get some of myself um out like not in a in a in a, in a bad way but like exposed you know like right. like my like i want to show the honest parts of myself and i think that um the play with the cat that dom directed get fucked is the title and uh working title <laughs> um and um um i think that one really just captures this this particular time in my life not in like a autobiographical way but it it really it's what i'm trying to do with that piece it's as it's a work in progress is is truthfully explain like how nick foley got to be age 22 and like here i am you know what i mean like how it is that i'm that i'm here in bloomington doing these things without telling my story like it's not about me Right. None of the characters are like representative of like me as an individual, uh, but more about like this situation that young men find themselves in um, yeah. when you can be surrounded by potentially negative energy. Yeah, absolutely. I I, uh, I can relate to that one hundred percent. I w- I just wrote this short uh, short film that oh I started working on it um, when I was up working up at my family cabin. Mm last summer which i'm very excited that you're coming along to yes, join uh on our trip this summer um but it, it being up there last summer um for those of you who don't know it's this it's this old cabin it was built in 1903 we've expanded on it and built a little bit more on it as time has gone on but my grandma my uh, my great uncle sorry uh, uncle great uncle leo passed it down to my mom when he passed away and we got uh hold of it when i think i was like two years old or something like that he 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 lived a long life y'all <laughs> he lived a long life that guy was old um but anyways um he uh being up at this cabin by myself working this really boring boring serving job at this resort up there that it just had a very slow summer it made me contemplate a lot of things being just like what's what is it like? Is I mean, this it's so desolate. I didn't have Wi-Fi. I didn't <gasps> have a wa. I know. <gasps> I didn't have uh my like my own washer and dryer. Like <gasps> again, like all these first world dumb things. But you know, just like being in a very secluded area, having only two neighbors. One of them being or three neighbors. One of them being like a ninety-eight year old uh, man who can barely remember anything. <laughs> who's lawn I mowed. Um, hey. It's a gig. It was a gig. Well, I mean, it was for free, but I mean, I've, I've um, known him, I've known him forever. Very kind. Known, yeah. Well, I gotta love, gotta love Merle gigs. and Pearl. They're the best. I mean, uh, yeah. Merle just Merle passed. Merle and Pearl. I mean, uh, Pearl just passed away recently, sadly, but oh. um, she lived a long life. She was in her late nineties, so, um, but she was always wonderful. But anyway, sorry, this is getting way <laughs> off point. Um, uh, anyways, um, I got to com- contemplate a lot, like what is a legacy to be given when you're in a if you're in a world where everything's kind of stripped from you and what is loneliness in a world where everything's stripped from you and i kind of created and i was thinking a lot i was playing the last of us as well 
okay. again. Yes. Around, uh, again. So I was, uh, you know, this is probably my tw- like tenth time playing it through. But <laughs> no shame. Um, I didn't. Ha- I didn't have any Wi-Fi. I had to. You know, I only have that one PS4 game. So, <laughs> um, but I was thinking, all right, let's place these characters in the world of, um, in this world where they are stripped from all electronics, where an EMP has gone off. Uh, over the United States it's never really said but essentially now this place that used to be their getaway is now their safe haven and like what's that life like and stuff like that and getting to ask those questions in situations where you know this is something that it's really on your heart that you didn't that you find that only working through by writing this is the only way you're gonna be able to get those thoughts out mm. into the world um and so it's a very interesting position to be in. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we're gods or uh, we're the next like Aaron Sorkins of the world, but it's it is a fun thing to do, and um, well, it helps you process the world in a different way. And it's a medium that I never expected. Um, I I mean, truthfully, I got into writing because of like my writing prerequisites as like a you know what I mean as like a student of Indiana University. I was actually at IEPY. Right. I wasn't even here in Bloomington at the time. And I I was getting some of my prereqs out of the way and then um, I found my way into a fictional writing class and by the end of the process I found myself writing a story for somebody that I had like no real understanding of like what it would I, I, I couldn't I couldn't speak from experience truthfully about right. about this person's lived experience. It was a child, you know what I mean? It was like a it was a young girl, um and like just fact of the matter like i i was not 10 years i'm not 10 years younger than i currently am so right. i don't have this like lived experience but um and among obviously many other things um but i i found myself like trying to honestly write for this girl that i was right. it was kind of like a you know what i mean like we picked card like cards out of a thing and i right. was i was given this image and ultimately what i ended up writing was something that was like truthful for me as a person through the story of this young girl like i i had i was writing about like a life experience i was having with a relative like a relationship issue um with a relative of mine like whether or not like uh we were going to be able to like you know just like see each other's differences and agree right and we i all up, got those well, i ended up writing it into this into this girl who right I mean, it's kind of funny. She had, you know, she had nothing to do with it. She was just innocent. But um, it was like I, I had found a way to really talk about myself in writing, and I had never experienced with that before. So, you know, a year and a half ago, I signed up for playwriting. And, and here we are. And here we are. You know, I would say, like, hopefully. Hey, Trev Dog. No, you're good, man. Uh, but, yeah, so while we're wrapping up here, we got a – few minutes left sure uh what are some i know that you're working on pippin right now would you want to talk about that a little bit pippin if anyone is gonna have the pleasure um of seeing this uh it please please do make your way up to indianapolis it's a i mean it's a it's just such a fun production we're having everyone in the everyone in the cast is working so hard you know and um it's it's at uh it's it's part of indiana performing art initiatives uh fourths this is their fourth year um being being a company i've worked with them all four years they're, they're, they're great um and you can get i mean ipa ipai.com slash tickets great and get some tickets uh but it's this weekend and next so that's um 
July 12th through the 21st, I believe. And um, I mean, it's, it's just going to be a blast. Yeah, uh, Pippin's a fun, fun show. Oh, I mean, it's just, it's such a great, uh, it's it's so great to be a part of the process. Um, and it's really, it's, the hashtag is uh, not your mama's Pippin. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a blast, but I'm really excited. Um, I use own Cameron Brown. Um, he's not a oh, yeah. musical theater program, yeah, no, but, no. Uh, but Cam, Cam's a great guy. I'm really excited. He's playing Pippin. He's, he's great. great. Yeah. I, uh, and then do you have anything coming this coming semester that you're planning to, on directing or writing? That yes. You, that you actually, talk about? uh, if I could, if I could make a shout out, yeah, I please, would say, please do. uh, to all playwrights that have stuck through this podcast, any and anyone that's even thinking about it, uh, there should be, if I can pull all the strings necessary, I'm looking to organize similar to undergrad shorts. We're going to do undergrad one acts. So anyone that yes. doesn't know what undergrad shorts was, it was, um, it was a 10 minute or less play or song submission, um, to which they were previewed in a stage reading. And it was a really great opportunity. A lot of people got to see a lot of different things. Um, the difference with this is uh, I'm going to try to get it faculty organized. That way we have representation greater than just the student population. Because right. it would be very easy to get a collection of one acts from undergrad playwrights and have students organize it. Um, but blatantly, that doesn't necessarily always mean that faculty members or uh, graduate students will, will make the time to, right. to come because we're all so busy. We're all very, um, very busy people. But if it's faculty organized, um, then hopefully we'll be able to... Uh, influence more people to come and it should be a lot of fun it'll probably be a relatively long event in which people would come and go yeah um a little festival but yes uh and and so it it uh anyone that has a one act or uh, either a one act play or the first act of a multi-part play please uh be on the lookout for flyers in the upcoming semester for submissions i would love to preview your work um, and aside from that, um, I do think uh, we'll have a musical coming up in the second semester, but just stay tuned for that. So Great. We'll, we'll see what that is. Once again, this guy always just getting it done, doing <laughs> what he wants, doing, doing where his heart desires, making some great art. Uh, man, it's been one of my favorite conversations yet so far on the podcast. Uh, and I'm really happy that you came on. And I'd love to have you back sometime, maybe uh, after some time has passed, got, got some more things under your belt and your tool belt. Um, thanks for the dragonflies, my dude. Of course, it was um, a pleasure. Yeah, man. Uh, well, guys, thanks for coming again this week. I hope we'll catch you next time on the pod. On Bloomington Spirits, uh, I'm Josh. This is Nick. Thank you so much, everyone. So long, everyone. Have a good day.